This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're with Julian Kusu Chuang and Sharis Abdullah on the morning run. And coming up in about half an hour's time, uh, Joyce Go is going to speak to Idam Nawawi, who's the CEO of Cellcom Exeter. Now, uh, the telco industry is facing multiple challenges from increased competition and disruption to uh, by government policies. Uh, so Joyce Go will speak to Idam about how the company plans to deal with its headwinds and what the future looks like for Cellcom Exeter. Don't forget to catch that after the 8 a.m. news. So uh, let's look at uh, more international news. Today, 15th February, marks the final day for the three-week extension of government funding that President President Trump approved on January 25th. And uh, this follows a marathon 35-day shutdown that began in December. Yeah, and uh, US Congress yesterday, they rushed to pass a bill that would prevent the government from shutting down again. To help fill in the blanks on what's happening over the past uh, we have uh, Catherine Dunn-Tempas, uh, the non-resident senior fellow of government studies at the, uh, at the Brookings Institution. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Catherine. Um, it appears that a crisis has been averted uh, because media reports that uh, on Tuesday, the lawmakers have reached a bipartisan compromise that would avert another shutdown. When can we expect a closure on this issue? Well, it's expected that the Senate has already voted and passed the measure. It's expected that the House will vote tonight. We're, so here it's still February 14th. And they will, it will pass and be uh, sent over to the White House for the president to sign. He'll probably sign it Friday morning, the 15th. And so the good news is that the government will indeed be up and running, and there will not be a second government shutdown. Uh, the other news that is sort of less uplifting is that Shortly after he signs the measure, the White House has announced that the president will declare a national emergency at our border, at our southern border. And that enables the president to have extraordinary powers, and one of which would be being able to allocate funding to build a border wall. Um, and so a lot of Democrats, of course, are opposed to that because they say this, this so-called emergency is really not an emergency, and so you're abusing your power. Um, Republicans are also concerned about this because it's basically a way for a president to make an end run around Congress and not follow the legislative branch. So in a sense, the congressional powers are being usurped by a president who declares the southern border a national emergency. So members of both parties are not happy about it, uh, but uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell earlier today told the president that he would be okay if he declared a national emergency. So I'm not really sure, you know, that sort of I'm not sure if they're saying that because they were so desperate to not have the government shut down again that they wanted to give the president something he wanted by allowing him to declare or telling him it was okay to declare the national emergency or what. But that's where we stand right now. Um, Catherine, the sticking point uh, last time, that was the $5.7 billion funding for the border wall. Now, what have the lawmakers finally agreed on? (laughs) They agreed on much less. In fact, it's basically what he would have gotten for the border wall over one billion, I think it's 1.37 billion, which is far less than the five. Um, and so, you know, he would have been fine if he had just if he had just signed the bill that he agreed to sign the bill in December. He's he's no he has not advanced the ball at all since December and having closed the government down for 35 days. Um, I think what happened is that the president realized that during the government shutdown, his polling ratings went down. He got a lot of pressure from members of Congress. 
And I think Republican members of the House and the Senate also got pressure from their constituents because of the government shutdown. So Republicans didn't want a shutdown either. So in a sense, you know, the, the shutdown was all for nothing because he really is no further, he is no better off in terms of having money to advance his wall. And so that's why he's resorting to declaring the southern border a national emergency. Well, Catherine, declaring a state of national emergency to draw funding for this wall uh, has interesting interpretations from a psychoanalytical viewpoint. This is the same man who is going to be basically um, deciding whether to grant an extension to the uh, imposition of trade tariffs on you know about two hundred billion dollars of U.S. of Chinese goods uh, post March the first. Where do you think this individual, uh, Donald Trump, will will stand uh, given the fact that Lighthizer and both him and Mnuchin are having high level talks with Chinese? representatives this week. What, what, what direction do you think he'll take on these uh, trade, ta- trade uh, tariff impositions? I'm not exactly sure, but I can say that many times it doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the research says. He tends to be a very impulsive president and makes decisions. And, and if he thinks that conservatives are going to come out against him or if he thinks that some of his base will not like what he's going to do, then he might change his mind. But if not, he sticks to his guns. And so he may well stick to these tariffs. He thinks they're a good idea even though it's completely contrary to sort of Republican free trade ethos that existed before he became president. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And that was Catherine Dunn, Tempest with the Brookings Institutes uh, in Washington, D.C. Now, let's move on uh, to the other news uh, coming out from the international markets. And this is about General Electric or GE, uh, because uh, they would have to churn through about 92 billion of sales backlog that are marred by lousy projects. Uh, Recall that GE lost 200 billion dollars in market value in 2017 and 2018 as it struggled to cut costs and uh, res- uh, misjudge market shifts as a result of that whole phenomenon of uh, turning uh, from fossil fuel-based energy to uh, the alternatives. Well, I guess this is really a case of how far the mighty can fall because um, that $92 billion just relates only to the power business. When you in- include the rest of their business divisions, there is a company-wide backlog of nearly $400 billion that the company can't fill because they just don't have the proper facilities or the operational management and expertise in place. It has just been dogged by so many um, operational issues that I, I think the, the CEO, um, Kalp, Larry Kalp, is, is trying to wade through it ever since his appointment last year. Yeah, that $92 billion order book isn't great news um, as well. And because little information of what it contains since information is kept private, um, equipment orders and service contracts, which covers more than a decade, once completed, only the GE books, uh, it has... Revenue will take about two or three years to work through. And GE's takeover of the power business of French rival Alstom uh, SA in 2015, it's also, you know, it came at uh, low margins as well. Yeah, I think uh, we all know the GE as a paragon of good management uh, coming out of the um, U- United States, right? It's back, always, in the, um, back in the uh, day. Jack Welch days, right? Yeah, that, and it's always used an, as an example for uh, um, management techniques and so on. And now uh, it's uh, being exposed as a company that's in, uh, with a division that's hit by mismanagement and bad deal making. Now, on to another story. You know how China, uh, well, arguably tries to copy everything from the United States. Uh, there's this company called the China Mingsheng Investment Group that was supposed to be China's answer to JP Morgan. But in less than five years uh, after they embarked on such plans, the company has instead turned into a symbol of the turmoil sweeping China's once uh, vaunted private sector 
uh, because it has raked up about uh, $34 billion in debt. Yeah, this the CIMNG liquidity crunch was caused by what analysts have described as a combination of mismanagement and tighter lending condition in China, which underscores a sometimes overlooked risk to the global economy in the Trump era, Brexit, and also trade wars. Um, and there's also it's an not an isolated case as many Chinese companies face declining investment returns and refining difficulties. Okay, uh, that's a good enough warning for people who try uh, to create uh, behemoths. Uh, they got to uh, be very careful about that. Um, coming back, we'll be looking at uh, some Malaysian news. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.